Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. The African continent, like much of the rest of the world, is struggling to contain the coronavirus pandemic. Diverse cultures, geography, political systems, and poor infrastructure are making it a struggle to account for the actual number of cases and to get help to those in need. The African Development Bank is committing $10 billion to nations across the continent to battle the pandemic. Dr. Jennifer Blanke is Vice President of Agriculture, Human and Social Development at the African Development Bank, based in Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire. I asked her about the current situation across the continent. Well, I think what we've seen is that, you know, the entire world is, is struggling with COVID right now. But Africa was facing a lot of challenges just linked to its, its level of development. And so when the crisis hit, it became painfully clear that the health systems were just not set up to deal with any sort of crisis of this magnitude. And so what happened was most countries closed down very quickly, you know, which I think was the prudent thing to do but it is having a really big economic impact as well. If you can imagine a lot of people living on less than $2 a day and suddenly it's hard for them to even earn what they need to eat. So for the bank, we realized that it was something we had to address very quickly um, because what was a health crisis and that needed to be addressed and we are doing things in that area uh, was turning very quickly into an economic crisis, as uh, in most of the world, but here really pushing people below the poverty line. And indeed, what we've recognized is that on top of that, because farmers were not able to get, say, seed and fertilizer to farms, we were risking a food crisis um, because we were going to maybe going to miss the planting season. And so we've sort of had this triple whammy going on uh, in Africa right now, which I think, frankly, a lot of the governments have been managing quite well, but they've been massively financially strapped. And so that's really where the bank comes in and where we've been trying to help. We're speaking with Dr. Jennifer Blank, the Vice President of Agriculture, Human and Social Development at the African Development Bank in Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire. And Jennifer, the numbers are all over the place, obviously, for many countries around the world. Africa, the continent, is no different. Uh, the official numbers in South Africa are over 100,000 cases, uh, over 2,000 deaths. Nigeria generally comes in at second with over 20,000 cases and 500 deaths. Given the fact that it's so hard to know how accurate these numbers are and what the accounting looks like across the continent, how do you at the African Development Bank begin to figure out what an appropriate response is country by country? Uh, I understand that you would be looking as a bank to release up to $10 billion worth of funding across the continent. How, how do you decide what money should go where when we don't even really know the scale of the problem in individual countries? Yeah, I mean, this is true. It's it's sort of like you don't even know where you're standing right now. But at the same time, I mean, remember, this is a health crisis that spilled into a, an economic crisis because of the necessary lockdowns, potentially leading to a food crisis. And, and we're seeing the beginnings of that. Nothing is done. We're working very closely with governments uh, in Africa, as well as other, you know, sort of development finance institutions like the World Bank, the bilateral aid agencies, so that we coordinate very well. We're also working very closely with the WHO uh, and some of the regional development, you know, partners to make sure that whatever we do is coordinated and makes most sense from the country's perspective. 
So we're doing a few things. I'd say, you know, number one is governments all around Africa have their own plans to deal with this. And so we're kind of providing some lending uh, as well as some, you know, grants for them to be able to roll out their own programs where we are helping them to improve them, but also ensuring that we're not stepping on toes with some of the other development partners um, because everybody's sort of rushing in to see how they can help. The other thing is, especially like in the very short term, one of the things we were really facing in Africa was a lack of personal protective equipment, a lack of ventilators. And if you look at some of the numbers that I've seen, you know, in terms of hospital beds, there's maybe, you know, one for every thousand people in Africa versus 25 for every thousand people on average in the rest of the world. We're not talking about rich countries. Mm. So, you know, we really found ourselves in a bind. Uh, And so making sure that we roll those things out, especially because even things like masks, uh, again, I said ventilators, but but everything that was needed, there were export restrictions, places like Asia in, in, in Europe. And so we really couldn't get what we needed. And so just making sure that we procure all that's needed, we support governments also for their efforts to support families. Uh, you know, there's some direct transfers going on. And then finally, really to, to support some of the farmers and, and the food systems to make sure that this doesn't all spill over into a food crisis. So the selection is really in concert with different actors in Africa, in particular, uh, the countries, um, but others who are also experts in this area. Now, the African Development Bank has, has been already giving and promising money to countries like the Seychelles and Togo and South Africa and, and the Sahel countries, the five Sahel countries. You know, there is already a lot of, a lot of action happening with this month, last month, and during this crisis. As you look at the ongoing need, do you, do you recognize certain countries that have been more effective in their planning and in their implementation than others? Is there a, let me put it this way, a gold standard within the continent of Africa? Is who's really tackling this in a way that seems to be the most effective? Well, I think, you know, that we've seen kind of some impressive responses in different places. So, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things, I'm, I'm primarily a development economist. So what I care about, I of course care about the health impacts, but I'm extremely worried about the economic impacts and the different degrees to which countries were completely locking down everything, including the informal sector or not. And so you saw kind of tougher lockdowns in places like South Africa, where, you know, they were using force to keep people at home. And understandably so. I mean, especially when you see what the numbers are looking like there right now, also in in terms of the fatalities. But for example, in West Africa, where I live, there was an effort to, to ensure that you rolled out sort of hand-washing stations and all the things that you knew were important, Uh, a lockdown of the formal economy, people like us who can sit at home and, you know, do do radio shows uh, over the internet, you know, because that was possible. But they were a little bit less strict with those who really need to go out and just earn a living with, say, you know, to make $2 a day or, or a little bit more. And I feel like there was less social unrest in countries like Cote d'Ivoire, like Ghana, that were a little bit more nuanced in, in how, how they rolled things out. I think only time will tell in terms of what the final numbers look like. And obviously, everybody's being affected by this. But there's been less of a backlash uh, in some countries, I'd say. And that, that's also a hugely, I mean, you see that in all regions. It's been a difficult situation for a lot of countries to face. And so I do think some countries have been managing that better than others. But everybody's struggling. It's, it's an extremely difficult, difficult time. We're speaking with Dr. Jennifer Blanke, the Vice President of Agriculture, Human, and Social Development at the African Development Bank. Uh, she comes to us uh, from Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire. 
And as we look across Africa, the challenge of testing, as it is in many countries, is front and center in the news and in the mind of policymakers. Where are we right now in terms of numbers and percentages of people that are getting tested as and when they need to? Well, you know, again, this is an issue that's a challenge everywhere. And there's a debate in many places. And if you kind of look at the overall statistics, which I take a regular look at, as an American who has been living in Europe and my family is living in Europe right now and who's currently living in myself in Africa, you know, it's I, kind of looking and it's incredible the, the variation. Now, if you look at what is happening in Africa, I say we have an emergency or kind of a, yeah, I guess an emergency crisis senior uh, leadership meeting at the bank every week. And testing has become kind of our main concern uh, in Africa because a lot of countries are looking to us for advice on when they can really open their economies. And we keep saying we don't know because we, we don't have enough information on the testing because it's expensive. These tests are very expensive. It's new. And we know that just not enough is taking place. There's more in places like South Africa. This is a middle-income country. It's a bit different. It's very expensive for Togo or Niger or Chad, you know, to, to do these and even to have the facilities where they are. So this is a huge focus for us going forward. Now, I talked a bit before about sort of the big money projects that are going out just to shore up economies in the short term uh, and just get the basic PPEs. But another big effort that we're working on is manufacturing uh, in Africa and in the short term, really looking at manufacturing of tests for COVID in, in Africa because, and, and at an affordable price. Uh, mm. And there are a number of countries that are working on this, you know, Nigeria, Morocco. And so we're, we're really trying to help to, to develop those because in the meantime, it's very hard to know. We know that economies need to open. We know that people are suffering and economies in Africa just don't have the same financing, even with our support to, to do what's happening in places like Europe, Singapore, the U.S. Uh, in terms of unemployment benefits. I mean, it doesn't really exist when you work in the informal economy. And yet, it's very hard to know. So I think going forward, we're pulling out all the stops to try to find ways for African countries to be able to affordably test their citizens so that they know that they can open up because we know that it's going to happen. And somehow they've avoided a huge crisis so far. You know, I'm not sure about the numbers in terms of you know, infections, but we haven't seen a massive surge in many African countries in death rates, as far as we can tell, partly maybe because of the, 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 you know, the youth and the demographics of the society. But in any event, all of that to say, just like other places, uh, it's a big challenge that we're trying to help on. And affordability is a huge part of it. And so kind of, if you think about the situation in Singapore, just multiply it by 100 in terms of a lack of understanding of, of what's happening uh, and that's what's happening in Africa. And, and we know that we have to do something about it and do something about it. Jennifer, is the African Development Bank actually sourcing the testing kits themselves? Or are you specifically on the side of looking to invest in companies or countries that want to develop capability to produce their own tests? So we're, we are not allowed to source directly because of our procurement policies. So what happens is whoever we're funding they have to follow their own procurement procedure. All we can do is put them in touch. But when it comes to the manufacturing of tests, for example, in Africa, because again, this is sort of, you know, it's good for the African economy as well, right? This will create jobs, it will create revenue, it's sort of all the good things that we want, as well as providing tests that are needed. We're looking at finding funding mechanisms for good ideas. And that's more on the manufacturing side. 
but not just ourselves, you know, because we tend not to fund at that level. We do, you know, bigger, bigger size projects. But, you know, I mean, it's just, again, pharmaceuticals, all of the sort of basics, they're just, you know, things are going on in Africa, there's no doubt, but it's just not at the level you need. And the extent to which Africa is dependent upon uh, imports is just not okay, and it's not affordable. Jennifer, as you look at this crisis, and, and you've been in the the aid and the development world for two decades, over two decades now, every crisis brings a certain amount of opportunity along with it for innovation, for investment, for trying to do impact investing, for example. As you look at COVID-19 across uh, the continent of Africa, for outside companies, for outside organizations, where are the logical investment opportunities right now that would not only do good, but perhaps also be good investments as well? So, I mean, first of all, I would just say Africa has a huge amount to, to build on. I mean, yeah. you know, all of the challenges that we're talking about are massive opportunities and, you know, and opportunities for leapfrogging. You know, I mean, Africa in many ways sort of skipped over fixed telephone lines and it went straight to mobile uh, for example, it skipped over bank branches and went straight to, to mobile banking in many cases. Uh, and there's lots of opportunities for this right now in areas like mobile health. I mean, you name it, and, and there's an opportunity. Young people in Africa are impressive and coming up with a lot of these ideas. And in a way, this is sort of you know natural social investing, but you know with huge business opportunities. Now, Olam, uh, which is a, a huge Singaporean company, is extremely invested in African agricultural value chains. We work with them a lot, uh, and they're doing so many interesting things because they've understood, and you know, obviously this is one of my sectors, so I think it's very important, but I am absolutely convinced that agriculture and agribusiness is a massive, massive investment opportunity going forward. Uh, if you look at the numbers, right now Africa is importing net approximately 50 billion US dollars uh, per year in food. And it makes no sense. And a lot of that is kind of, you know, more, um, you know, processed foods. Uh, and so those are, you know, jobs that are being exported. That is, you know, that is uh, revenue that's being exported that can be earned on the continent. And it's an urbanizing and, uh, you know, rising middle class uh, in, in Africa. And so I'd say going forward, if you're going to bet in, on an area, and Olam has already seen that opportunity, agribusiness, and especially helping the agribusiness uh, to move up the value chain to do more sophisticated uh, food products that uh, will, you know, will meet the needs of a growing middle class in urban areas. Um, for me, this is a good bet. Dr. Jennifer Blanke of the African Development Bank, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a, a look at what's happening on the continent of Africa with COVID-19. Thank you very much for having me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.